This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Eat Sleep Arsenal Repeat podcast. It's only taken a full season of this show and we've already changed the entire lineup of it. Um, I'm very happy though to be joined by two fantastic guests. Uh, the Doc is going to be along with us shortly. Uh, Owen is still very much caught up with work and Sophie is sadly unavailable because we had to switch the show uh, to, of course, Wednesday. Uh, with tomorrow I'm away with uh, Charles Watts at his book launch event in London so we couldn't record it tomorrow night so we're recording it tonight I'm very happy to be joined firstly by Mike Hurst joining us for the second week in a row how do you mate you good you well I'm doing all right always glad to be on to chat Arsenal man uh, in the substitute of one Owen Young it's a hard to fill that spot but I'm gonna try I'm not, I'm not gonna do it's any not that team. hard it's not that it's gonna, not, just showing up is, <laughs> is already an improvement on what you know, he drinks. I, I, I feel like it's a downgrade when I don't got that sweet, sweet accent, you know? So <laughs> <laughs> the accent to sound miserable no matter what emotion you try to show. Yeah. That's, that's the Northern one Irish. Hell of an accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it is it's very good. I mean hopefully we'll be back after the uh, international break and uh, but Mike's doing a fantastic job uh, in his stead. We may even just, you know, do a whole Urzil Havertz swap you know that's on that one for the other uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, and of course with Sophie not here uh, I much prefer to, to speak to my guests and ask who they think is a great person to fill in because let's be honest my judgment of character is terrible so uh, I'm very happy to be joined today uh, by the co-branch manager of Arsenal LA uh, MK how are you doing MK you good you well I'm good thank you for having me and I'm glad Sophie no, uh, so was confident much. enough to let me step into her shoes for a day. I'll do my best. <laughs> Stepping into Sophie's shoes but is, is no mean feat. It cannot be taken lightly. Um, so, uh, no, we're absolutely fantastically glad to, to have you on the show. Do you want to give people a little bit of background about yourself, about your kind of support of Arsenal and, and what you do with the LA side of things as well? Sure. So I co-run Arsenal Los Angeles, which is a branch within Arsenal America. I became a Gooner in 1999 when I was playing um, the sport competitively and Thierry Henry signed after a very successful World Cup with France in which they won. 
Um, so that's kind of how long I've been supporting. Obviously, it hasn't always been easy to watch games in the U.S. We're very spoiled with coverage now. Um, mm. So it's, it's a really great time to be a Gooner and to see this sport growing here. We had a great summer tour, and I'm looking forward to the season ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for jumping on. Uh, and uh, good evening, good morning, good afternoon to the chat box joining us live. Uh, can see Amerika and Tom with some serious squad rotation. Some Mikel Arteta-esque moves being made uh, here. They're fit and fresh and ready to go. Um, this is going to be a bit of a deadline day preview, uh, if you like. Of course, as I've said before, there won't be any 8 a.m. show on, on deadline day because I'm going to be up at 6 a.m. working uh, live blogs and football London stuff. So uh, we'll have more coverage uh, later on in the day. But to kind of look ahead to the day, Mike, what are your expectations of uh, Friday? <laughs> You're killing me here, Tom. It's um, what other than four loans and no no purchases is more or less what I'm, my my expectations. I I do have the habit of um, having extremely what I believe to be realistic expectations. So I I kind of rationalize with what the club is doing, and I start to think to myself like, yeah, you know, the timber thing. It's it was a bit unpredictable. So I feel hard pressed to go in and say, well, the club needs to act like a big club. And they need to go spend. And I'm like, well, that's nice when you're Chelsea and City, right? You could just go buy a backup to your backup to your backup. But when we're in a situation where if we're going to believe, if we're led to believe that financial fair play exists, um, although Chelsea's de dealing makes it a little bit difficult to believe, it's it's more of a difficult task for us to just turn around and say, get somebody in. Now, you, you can make an argument that maybe the loan market is, is an option. Um, I just find it extraordinarily difficult. So my prediction is, if, if I'm looking at this, hoping that Gabriel Magalash stays put, he cannot leave. And if he does leave, I could only assume that the club is smart enough to have some type of deal in the workings already for backup. I just don't see it happening just out of nowhere. You know, a lot of people are touting... Um, Weggy, is it from Crystal Palace? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And you know, my, my co-host um, on another podcast that I, I do, uh, he put out a really good good point. You know, he's he's a you can't plug that by the way. You don't have to talk about it like it's a secret. Like. I don't think it's, it's not another Arsenal podcast. I always I always get weird. I never know, Tom. And I always no, people can plug away over here. It's fine. I appreciate you know. that. Okay, we're so like I'm... the Red Bull Salzburg of, of podcast <laughs> creators, anyway. So you know, so, so my co-host Kelly, that's out out South Metro. Um, AFC. He's, he's a really good follow on uh, Not Another Arsenal podcast. There, I got all the plugs there, Tom. Um, he, he did point out, like, he is a very important player to, to, to Crystal Palace. He's the captain, um, or co-captain at the very least. It's not something like, okay, we could just do this deal in 24 hours. We saw Crystal Palace resolved for, with the whole um, Elise thing, right? With Chelsea trying to yank him. They they went, they, they filed a complaint. They, they ended up extending the player. They're not a lot of English Premier League clubs that you could just go over and say, hey, I'm going to punk you. This is our player now. So it's going to take a, a fortune to get him out of Crystal Palace as well. So ideally for me, again, talk about lowered expectations. I always like to say that life minus expectations equals happiness. And that I'm a true believer on that one. So I'm not looking so much on the ends. I'm looking at so much avoiding two outs in the, in the form of Gabriel and Smith Rowe. Loans, it seems to be the way for us to save some wages because unfortunately we're not finding a lot of buyers for a lot of our players, uh, deadwood players or however you want to refer to them. And 
that's where I'm at, dude. I, I, I think it's going to be a very slow, I'm going to say underwhelming for some fans because I know a lot of people get caught up. Like we just saw Palmer go to Chelsea for, it was like 45 and everybody's like Balogun and, and we get hyped up with these massive, but it, it, we need buyers. And if we don't have those buyers and they know that we're hard pressed to get rid of these players because we do have an inflated squad, I think it's be really difficult. So as far as predictions go, I'm going to say another three loans and no incomings and hopefully no permanent outgoings to uh, for Smith Rowe and Gabriel. Yeah, yeah. fingers crossed on those. Uh, hard one to follow, MK, after that monologue uh, from Mike yeah. there, but give it your best shot. <laughs> what are your predictions for Friday? I'm sorry. Well, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm filling in for Drew. I'm filling in for Drew, not Owen. <laughs> the Drew monologue is what it was, yeah. So I think that we're probably not going to see much in any way of business, and that's because the same fans that are complaining about us not acting like a big club now are also the fans that were like, look at you rushing business at the end of the window. There's not going to be any smart business to be made with this little time left in the window. And I think that we've learned from that mistake in the past. Even a loan deal is very difficult to package correctly. And, you know, there's a lot of concerns with, you know, what sort of add-ons there are and options to buy, which I know you're not a fan of. So I think that, I personally think that Arteta sees value in Partey at right back. I know that that's kind of not very convincing from what we've seen so far, but I think he likes his chances with the current squad rotation. And I think we'll probably be in the market for another defender come January, especially with the international tournaments that are coming up this season. So that's my prediction. I I agree with both of you. I think it's going to be really, really difficult to see um, Arsenal being able to to pull off like a Cole Palmer-esque, you know, deal because Chelsea have massively overpaid, you know, for Cole Palmer. I look at him and think, that's a player worth probably around 25 to 30 million pounds. Um, and they're paying 45, which people will go, well, if they can get that, why didn't Arsenal get, you know, that for Balogun? The, the, obviously the argument is, is fairly clear cut for me. You know, we didn't have a Chelsea in for Balogun. I know there was rumours link, linking in with, with Chelsea, but they never, you know, came forward with an approach. And, and if they had, Arsenal were planning on asking for a significantly higher fee than what we ultimately uh, ended up getting from Monaco, which by the way, it's great to see close to 20% sell-on clause. I think it's 17.5. My colleague Kai Karnett reporting that at football.london um, earlier today. So that's obviously a really positive thing. Um, and I think that when you consider the business that we've done in the window, it's so frustrating that Urian Timber is out because him added to Rice and Raya and Havertz is such a good window. And it's almost like we've had, we've signed someone and it's almost like we've sold them. I mean, if that's how it feels, it feels like we've just sold them or we lost Timber for so long. Thankfully, that's not the case and we will get him back uh, after a season-long loan in the, uh, <laughs> the recovery room um, back in March. And uh, it's, it's just a frustration for me but from my perspective and I talked a little bit about this if you listen to the show this morning listeners will remember I, I said that and, and maybe this was harsh but I feel if we don't MK sign a defender in some ways we are weaker than we were at the start of the window yeah I don't I don't think that there's any arguing with that really I mean Partey is not a right back I think that also if you're going to play Partey alongside Zinchenko, they're both kind of occupying the same mid. They both kind of drift into the midfield, Mm. which creates um, a liability at the back, and it alters the shape that Arteta kind of wants to go with. And I think 
Additionally, a lot of our defenders are also injury prone. Tamiyasu is injury prone. Zinchenko is seen injury prone. We don't know how Saliba is going to recover long term from a back injury. Um, so I think we do absolutely need one more defender, but hopefully somewhere behind the scenes they're making inquiries as a loan deal or or finding value somewhere but it's just how do you how do you then fall back and try to recruit in such a short period of time and get your scouts in order i mean depending on who they were also looking at when they were quite set on timber right who else were they looking at theoretically that could be a last minute acquisition i just unfortunately don't see it i just don't see it happening but we're gonna have to pray that no one gets injured and hope that somehow that sees us through to January. I think, Mike, the, the, and I say this as a benefit and, and it is purely based on, on you know numbers of luck, basically. But the benefit, I suppose, is that we really did struggle at the end of last season um, when we, you, know, you couldn't really do anything. If you have injuries in the first half of the season, there is something called the January transfer window, which can obviously be used to to try and offset things. But my question, I suppose, is if we don't end up signing anybody in either the defence or the forward line, which is another area that people have wanted to see, you know, maybe some Bakaya Saka competition um, with a Mohamed Kudus alternative, it sucks that we didn't get him, I think. But uh, yeah, that's a story for another day. Do you feel as though that there is enough depth to last, not the season, but until at least the winter? Yeah, the Kudus thing was a, a pipe dream of mine. I, I always thought that he was buying time for us to come in for him, having agreed with, I think it was like West Ham, there was another another club that he agreed on, and he was just not moving. And I'm like, man, is he making things difficult? Because, we, you know, we, somehow he's waiting for us because we were linked early on. So you, you always get optimistic and hopeful to see somebody with, like of that quality come in. It would be an excellent backup for for Smith, or sorry, for Bukayo Saka. And, and I know that, we frown upon that word when it comes to uh, <laughs> TGT as far as backup goes. But I, I think I make the exception because it's Bukayo Saka. And it's, it's really difficult to rotate that man out. It's, he's one of, the, one of if, the, if not the only one that can't be rotated out because of his value at the club. Defensively, listen, Tom, I'm, I'm optimistic. And, and I totally take MK's um, conversation about the, the injuries and how injury-prone certain, certain players are. But... I kind of look at it like this. Uh, on right back, we have we have uh, Ben White and we have Tamiyasu who could cover. Tamiyasu also serves as center back. He also plays in the left back. Kivir, center back, left back. I'm still on a right back, Mike. You've the, forgotten I, someone really important. Okay, I'm I'm going here, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to pluck the question out of your, your, your <laughs> chat. I'm going to say this, and I'm not even saying this to like to have a laugh, but uh, I'm seeing a lot of the the Walters thing getting floated around. I'm not even talking about Walters. Are we talking about party? No, I'm talking about a certain Cedric Suarez, man. Okay. Oh, I was going there. I was going there. Okay, so I'm seeing a lot of I'm, I'm seeing a lot of Walters talk, and I know that as a fan, a lot of us we we tend to romanticize about you know Helen. We want to see these youth players come through. Look, I'm of the opinion that I would 100% rather see Cedric Suarez play right back for us in a league game than Walters. I just I understand that he's become a little bit of a meme for us, but I also don't think he's worse than a 18-year-old player that hasn't played a senior senior cap for us. So um, maybe controversial, and I know that Walters has a lot of hype behind him and he's doing wonderful things in the lower divisions, but as we've seen in the past, that low, lower division form doesn't always automatically carry, carry into the first division. So because of that, and I know <laughs> here comes the member Cedric emojis, I just saw that comment. 
because of that, I I Hendrick emojis in the chat. Come look, on, let's do it. <laughs> I, I'm looking at it like he would be a third option at right back, technically four when Partey is playing right back as well. Mm. If you're if you go through so many injuries to arrive to your fourth choice, you can't blame the club, man. I mean, that is world class bad luck right there. I mean, how many more ACLs can a backline sustain in, in a short period of time? So call me the optimistic, very optimistic, but I think we have enough death to carry us until January in case some crazy emergency happens. So I'm going to continue being hopeful for no, uh, no injuries. And I'm going to say that even though we do not get a defensive signing, potentially not get a defensive signing, I think I would be okay with this window. Fair enough. Uh, I'm very happy to be uh, joined now by Raj. Uh, the doc joins us. How are you doing, my friend? You're good, you well? Yeah, yeah, doing well. Sorry for being tardy. That's right, mate. You, I mean, you're joining us whilst you're at work, so we have to accept there's a little bit of a, a giveaway here and there. Uh, how are you? You good, Joel? Yeah, yeah, doing well. We're doing well. Looking forward to Sunday, so see how it goes. Yeah, oh, so you're not looking forward to Friday, which means I get to ask you your deadline day predictions, so give them to us. I don't care much for – I mean, deadline is a deadline, man. There's too much, <laughs> there's too much noise out there, so I don't pay attention to the noise. Fair enough, man. I mean, if I was to ask you what you think is going to happen, what would you what would you tell us? Oh man, I I, I think we we sit pat to be honest with you. Just just yeah. just based on the way Mikel and Eddie have functioned, they don't go for stopgap players. They go for guys who can raise the ceiling. And so, unless they've been doing a lot of homework on someone for a long time and we haven't heard about it, hey, which could be possible. Um, I don't see them just going for a stopgap player. I, I think they understand that tends to lead to a lot of dead wood, right? I mean, and, and they have a very, very clear strategy and plan of attack. It's like the anti-Chelsea model. And so, um, you know, that, that's kind of like, I, I don't, I just don't see it happening unless, like I said, they've, they've been planning something for a while or they have something that's, that, that's really been on, on their radar. So. The probability to me is that that the team sits pat maybe until January, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, I'm going to ask the guests uh, in a second uh, to kind of get their thinking caps on, if you like, and try and predict if there is to be a surprise, which is always the hardest thing to do. Who might that surprise be? I was asked this by my boss the other day, and the name I came up with is a name that I know fans are going to hate, but it's a very, very Arsenal type thing to do and the name that i came up with is kyle walker peters is the name that i think you never know you could see arsenal dropping uh, a loan offer to southampton to get a player that can play right back can play left back has played in the premier league uh is it a relegated club so he might have an ambition to to escape like many relegated players end up doing i think it's a, you know if there is to be a surprise uh, don't count out that name maybe coming out i think there was also David Ornstein reported the start of the window around June, July time that there was genuine interest in Carl Walker Peters. So yeah, the don't that's my surprise one. So Mike, I'm going to go to you, mate. What's your <laughs> surprise? <laughs> Look, we're about to get even more toxic here, Tom, because I saw that Chelsea potentially is willing to take a loan offer for Cucurella. And if we're, oh, if we're well, talking he's getting about United for the looks of things, ah, oh, is he? Ah, oh, see, look, see, in this similar to the doc. I stay. I kind of slide away from Twitter during during transfer window. I don't. I don't update, <laughs> update, refresh, refresh because I feel like these type of things drag on so much. 
um, that I tried to like away myself a little bit from it. But yeah, my so my surprise one was was Cucurella, and and for multiple reasons, it would have been like amazing for for banter purposes for one, and maybe that makes me a little bit of a troll too. I have a I have a well known reputation for liking players with a good hairdo, a la Guendouzi. So I mean, I would have welcomed that to the carpet at all. So, um, but he was the only one that was like looking up for the for the loan deal. For the Cryolot Peters is an excellent, an, again another big versatile thing. But again, Tom, if there's gonna be a surprise for me, it's not gonna be a surprise purchase. I I'm dead set that it's gonna. I'm dead set that we're going to stay the way we are. And and maybe yeah. I'm being super pessimistic about this and I'm just doing that lowering expectation. Yeah, that's thing. A surprise exit. Is that there you go. <laughs> that surprise yeah. exit is what I'm going to go with. And I'll, I'll say this. If there, if there's one of two players that might leave, I would say Smith Rowe has more of a chance to leave than Gabriel. And, Unpopular mm. opinion, and it's I hurt. love this player. Dude, and I love this player to death. And I was joking around saying, "Stop the planet! I want to get off." Because if Tanali leaves Milan and Smithrow leaves Arsenal in the same transfer window, I don't want to play FIFA anymore. Um, Tom, no joke. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> played for a while. Going, um, <laughs> but I, I dare say that Smithrow in our midfielder is slightly more ex- expendable as a body than it would be to get hit with a, a departure of Gabriel. So mm-hmm. there's my surprise. I, however you, you guys want it either Cucurella with the crazy hair and another AKA Chelsea reject or a Smith road departure. Either way, dagger to all the Arsenal fans. Here I am. <laughs> MK surprise signing. I suppose Hertz has, has kind of broken the mold a bit with surprise exit. So you can have either. Yeah, I think we're more likely to see a surprise exit, and I'll come back to that real quickly. But I think if we're going to see a surprise signing, it probably would be a defender. It would probably more likely to be a loan or someone that's younger and has a profile that matches what Adu and Arteta are looking for. One of the names that was linked to Arsenal late last season, and I'm probably going to butcher his name, is Ridley Baku from Wolfsburg, who can play on the right as a right mid. Um, he could also fill in at right back. He's pacey. I think he, he could offer us a lot in that. Um, he's valued, you know, and these values are always subject under 20 million. I think he's only 18 or 19, but he has a very high ceiling. He's been oh, called up by German. I thought as well, I Is thought he... he was like really young. Yeah, he's like I thought he was that young. Okay, so yeah, maybe no, not that no, young. I know who you, but that's he's uh, right back okay. at Wolfsburg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. So I think that someone of his stature would be a surprise, but I feel like we would have heard something by now, honestly. And I think most mm. of what we are hearing is mostly just clickbait conjecture, which leads me to Endel Smith Rowe. I don't think he's going anywhere. Honestly, I think that whole Chelsea swap thing was just clickbait from the start. I think someone made that up and it just traveled through the 90 minutes universe and wound up on other sites, you know? <laughs> oh, the so slap on 90 in there. <laughs> Brilliant. So, How yeah, I, I don't think so. <laughs> Love it. Well, so, yeah, no, no surprises. Oh, I'm sorry, MK, keep going. Yeah, no, no surprises. And maybe, like I said, someone from outside the league that maybe somehow we've looked at, but I just, we would have heard something. 
Yeah, as when you said Rydal Baku, I was like, I haven't heard that name in ages. Let me just have a quick Google. And it came out saying he's 25. I was like, I swear this guy was someone people signed on Football Manager like two years ago when he was 12. <laughs> I don't know, he's somehow become 25. But there you go. Um, five goals, three assists for Wolfsburg last season playing. Majority of games at right back, but he's kind of more traditional right wing back uh, style player. But yeah, you know. That would be an interesting name. I wouldn't say no to that um, if that was a player, which is interesting, I think, because we talked about uh, Alexander Barr, the Benfica uh, Danish guy that was being talked about yesterday. Uh, he is also a very offensive-minded kind of right-sided player as well. So interesting that in my mind, I'm more I'm liking the idea of, of Baku, but less so Barr. It's a strange, strange world. Contradicting yourself there, uh, Raj. Uh, what have you gone for? Yeah, the guy I could see surprise is Eric Garcia from Barcelona, just for multiple reasons, right? He's played right back. He's played center back. He has connection mm -hmm. with Mikel from City. And so he's played in that system a little bit. So I could see that. And, you know, Barcelona, you never know with their quote-unquote financial levers, what the heck's going on over there, if they need to sell players or not. So you could potentially get him as well. So that's a guy maybe you come in for. I think just – Based on Mikel's familiarity with them, he knows some of his habits too because he's 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 kind of been working with him a little bit. So that's the guy I could potentially see, and I, I agree it would be a defender. I don't see any surprise exits happening unless, let's say, you know, someone from Saudi come in and, and give a huge sum for Gabriel, and the problem becomes, and how do you how do you then turn that over and actually get someone else in? Because you surely need someone else in, right? And so I, I think Emil Smith Rowe, I agree with MK. I think it was a lot of clickbait. In that regard, we know Mikel sat down with them at the start of the summer and said, hey, you're going to be a big part of this team going forward. We're not going to sell you. So I, I never really believed any of that. I've, I'll be honest with you. I've heard very mixed things. I've heard from some sides like you that there's nothing really in it and that Arsenal have been very firm about the idea that Smith Rowe is part of the plans for the future and they've got no interest in selling him. And then I've heard from other sides there's more to this than meets the eye, but it's not the player that it's more so kind of the, yeah, an agent has to get the best deal for their client. And if their client's not playing, then, you know, it's within their rights to, to kind of look around for if they can find a, a deal that, that might be of interest to them. So that's not uncommon business. And that may be where some of the noises are coming from. Um, just to give you kind of my quick thoughts on, on Smith Rowe, you know, I think that what we may see is a very different conversation by Christmas once we've had the Carabao Cup and the Champions League. I think, you know, he will get minutes and time. And if he doesn't by then, then I think we've got a whole, you know, never level of the conversation to have as well. So, yeah, I think let's let's give it some time and, and, and wait and see what happens. Um, of course, what I suppose we have to do in, in some ways as well is kind of look back at the, the window as a, as a whole and the business that we have done. Mike, the, the the name that continues to come up in conversation is is Kai Havertz. And one of the big questions I think fans have right now is that we spent sixty five million pounds on, on Kai Havertz, and the, the the general opinion that I see banded around right now is that that sixty five million pounds could have been better spent elsewhere. How do you feel about that line, and where do you stand on it? Um, let's see, where do I start? Uh, hindsight is a beautiful thing, uh, for one. So it's, it's always like if, if, if we're using the timber art injury as an argument to see, we've been like, Hey, we have money now to buy a right back on top of the right back that we purchased. 
I think that's been a little disingenuous because it's something that we did not know when we were planning and we bought a, a substitute for the left eight position. Uh, I think we were actively looking for players that could play in multiple positions. So Timber all throughout the back line, Havertz left eight and center center forward. Same with uh, Declan Rice. He could play in, in multiple positions in the midfield, has played in, as a center back. I'm not ready to give up to, to Kai Havertz. Um, I, I like to use Udegaard as a really good example of a player that when we first loaned him in the first second half of the season he was with us he, he wasn't performing at the level that he was performing uh second season he didn't perform at the level he was performing he was he was creating more chances was not taking more shots i think it's a very difficult position to to occupy and not in the sense of the space of granite shaka because he's going to have his own individual way of playing football but i think coming from being the plug in a bunch of random places at chelsea to come in and have to meet new teammates and say hey you need to learn asap exactly how we play and just perform at a drop of a dime a lot of players struggle so we're three games in and i'm not quite at that point where with kai havertz where i'm like drop him drop him drop him i know that the the, the big argument is replace him for for party in the midfield but i don't think party is going to live in a right back for a really long time nor i think party is playing right back because of kai havertz so I'm not quite there. Um, I'm, I'm going to sit on it. I'm not really massive on judging players by transfer fees either. And I know that's a little bit counterintuitive to what we're used to. And I know that you mentioned the funds potentially being able to be spread out in, in other areas. But as of things, as, as of the purchases we made, I look at the club doing exactly what they wanted to do. They executed their plan to perfection. And I have all the reason to believe it's going to come good. We've seen multiple jumps and performances of Eddie Nketia. Fabio Vieira is a, is a man that played his heart out for 45 minutes for us, and everybody's loving him. But throughout the summer transfer window, I mean, I, I follow, I watch your 8 a.m. shows. Tom, how many times did, did you see the comment that he needed to be? So that's what, 2 a.m.? No, it's midnight. Uh, midnight, midnight for me, yeah. yeah. So I, I catch them. 2 3 a.m. on the way on the way to work is what I it's when I, I tune into your show. It's it's a perfect little 30-minute show for my drive. So how many <laughs> how many comments did you see that Vieira needed to be loaned or something, right? And it's so yeah. I yeah. think what it is, and I, I'm gonna digress just a little bit. I'll, I'll try to cut it short. I'm sorry, Tom. I think is our expectations for this season has been raised. We're no longer like hoping that we get into top four. We're hoping that we're title contenders. So anybody that doesn't hit the ground absolutely running in the form of a goal or an assist is going to be looking a negative light and deemed a passenger in a sense. So I'm not ready to say that those funds could have been used in a different light. I'm going to, I'm going to give us some more time, give them some opportunity to acclimate to the way the club plays and enjoy himself playing in just one single position. So not ready to give up a Kai Havertz, man. No. And that's, that's what I think is great that you brought up Vieira. Because the reaction after that game, um, you know, he's back, uh, he's arrived. This is via, like, how naive, like, do, are we to then kind of say all this stuff about Vieira, and yet at the same time, Havertz is being destroyed by people. 
like it's we can be so fickle as fans um and i think the Vieira and the the, the dynamic between the Vieira reaction and, and what Havertz is going right through right now is 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 perfect i think it was really summed up on the vision podcast this week if you haven't given that a listen yet clive was texting me saying you need to listen to the podcast and i did today it was very very good indeed not that i don't usually it was just it took a while to get to it this week with how chaotic it has been um Hertz was went off on a little bit of a monologue there, so we're going to go straight to to question <laughs> now to get these last that, time. I'm sorry, it, it's fine. It's fine. It was some really good stuff. Um, John G asks MK, can we expect any youth players to step up? Um, I think that it's 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 tough right now. I think barring any injury setbacks, there's not really the place in in the first team selection right now. I think for the youth. Um, is it the is it Walters is that one that keeps coming up like I just don't see it right um I think that we also want to be careful about our investment in our youth and bring them up when it's appropriate like maybe a caribou cup game here or there you know to rotate the squad but in terms of prem games I don't see it and obviously the champions league is a whole other ball game so you know I, I think that Arteta really is probably not going to bring him up so that's that's my expectation and the only way that would change again would be if there were injuries that necessitated it yeah i do tend to agree i think you might see like walters and Nuaneri maybe in the cups um but i'd be very surprised to see yeah. uh, them in the champions league or the league hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, Doc, I'm, I'm just going to deviate. I'm going to be really ignorant of the chat boxes because I did want to ask you something quickly. You probably saw uh, rumours this week around timber timelines, um, suggestions that March could even be a time that we see him back. I just wanted to kind of get your reaction to to hearing things around that. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. So when he got hurt on, what was the date? I'm trying to remember. Would have been August the 10th? The 10th, right. So typically, like we're that, one, two, three, four, five, August. six, seven... I mean, yeah, typical. I mean, you see with leave football, seven to nine months typically is possible. He also had a partial ACL uh, rupture. Um, it seems like just based on how he responded and, and kind of went through the test. So tends to result in less other damage. So it's certainly possible. Uh, that being said, it's hard to project something out seven months. So, you know, it's, it's really going to be more of a day-by-day process. Personally, I don't even – like to think about timeline because it puts pressure on the player, right? And so it's just, and then that's why Mikel doesn't ever say anything. In my mind, he's out for the season. If he comes back early, great. That, that's, that's just how I view it. I think that's how Mikel is viewing it too, based on, on, uh, or maybe at least externally, you know, in the public, that's how, how he's saying it too, keep the pressure off the player. So it's certainly possible. The question then becomes do you bring a player back? You know, the, the later you get into the season, the more intense the games come, become, excuse me. 
as you have now have teams playing for something more tangible, right? You're deeper into tournaments. So do you drop a player into a higher intensity game who's now missed seven months and, and needs time for bubble for uh, balance matches? So that's the, that's the other aspect. Uh, and then, and then with Timber, there are some, there are a lot of positives with him. His fitness level is extremely, extremely high. And that's part of why we had kind of that, that, um, that the reason why he got injured in the first place and they didn't really know as well. Like they were saying he didn't even have pain for two days after the injury. And so, um, those are all bode well, but then again, you, you just never know with the rehab. He could be doing really, he could be, you know, on pace to come back early and then has a setback and then it's delayed. So there's so many variable variables there that in my opinion, it just doesn't make sense to project out that far. Yeah, no, fair enough, mate. Uh, I really appreciate the the insight on that because you know patience is is key with that. Uh, Lucas says, uh, "Hertz, uh, what would you like to see happen with Pepe? Uh, would you rather he stays as a Saka backup than terminating a deal if a transfer isn't agreed before the deadline?" I think the club is way past the termination part. I think we're we're sticking to our guns. I, I, it's something that we had to do for a few bad eggs as far as personalities goes. Pepe doesn't seem to be a bad personality. And yeah, um, I'm a dreamer. So when the thought process of the idea of him being potentially reincorporated into the squad came about, I'm all for it. He he has a goal and an assist in him. He's very tricky. And I think if he just ups his awareness and how we play a little bit more and ups his little tactical level and, and, and starts building a few... Um, some relationships with Ben White, whoever, Udegaard, who normally plays on the right-hand side, I think he could still come in useful. So I would say option A, sold to Saudi to, to recoup some money for a player that might not be in in the squad plans currently. Uh, plan B, keep him as a backup because I do, I don't, you know, the, the he's crap gets floated around a lot. He's most definitely not crap. I think that's doing him a disservice. And option C, uh, there's no option to see actually no termination. I, I would keep him around even for training for training ground purposes. I, I think we're we're past that, so to say. So I guess for option training B, ground purposes is that like you know but, using him as like a wall for free kicks. Yeah, yeah. Set, like set up set up the set up the cones like that they used to do for Pep. Remember that whole thing? Uh, we'll do that. No, um, even alone. I guess alone would be the C option right there if we can't recoup it. I know that would be extremely frustrating because we're desperately trying to to get some money back in but um i don't think he's such a bad player i think a lot of players just get roped up in a really bad era and in, in which we we went through uh every every player could have its uh his own arc and to i don't see his him in his way back i don't see him okay. making the squad to be i don't see him making the squad to be honest he's a defensive liability he turns the ball over entirely too much um, you know, he's a flair player, which is, you know, nice when it's successful, but when it's not successful, it puts additional pressure on a defense that we need to keep fit through January. So I just don't see him making the team, to be quite honest, as much as that might be wishful thinking, given the amount that we spent on him, what we've seen from him in here and there. But I would love to get some money for him. But at this point, I think a termination is probably more likely than him making this team. Yeah, that, that substitute appearance against Aston Villa still haunts me to this day that he nearly cost us uh, you know, in that game. Uh, when he gave that free kick away on the edge of the box, my goodness me. Raj? I'm a dreamer. Yeah, there's a fundamental mismatch with how, with, with uh, Pepe's skill set and what Mikel wants. Mikel, we know he wants high IQ, quick decision makers. Pepe is not a quick decision maker. 
And so that's like fundamental to every player that Mikel has on the squad. He is that. I think you'll see Jesus out there before he put Pepe out there. You would see Vieira out there, who made a nice cameo during preseason, by the way, um, at right wing, I think, which is potentially one of the hardest positions to play on the team. And so I think you'd see those guys even out there before Pepe was was out there because they offer more of a similar profile that Mikel wants compared to Pepe's skill set. Uh, yeah, well said. Um Van of Duty says, MK, could the club be willing to sell Smith Rowe to give someone like Ethan Nwaneri a pathway into the first team? He has been training with the first team and scored a hat-trick for the under-21s when Mikel was watching. I don't see why we would have to sell Smith Rowe in this scenario. I mean, Smith, mm. Smith Rowe offers a versatility that Nwaneri doesn't positionally. Um, I don't think it's an either-or scenario here. I think that, you know... ESR gives us a lot of options, and I think that there will be a pathway for Waneri regardless. I mean, he's still quite young, so mm. I think it's going to depend how he he develops. And nearly you know, as young we'll as Wadul so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's the prodigal talent that Arteta wants, right? He wants them young. He wants to take that chance, and I think what Arteta wants is he wants to develop them under his tutelage. Right, he wants to mm. impose upon them his style and his coaching. So, I, I don't think it's an either or, and I don't think they are willing to sell ESR, at least not to make room for one Neri. If it's anything, it's because they want to get money for him. If the player doesn't want to stick around, if he doesn't feel like he's getting enough minutes, in that case, there's nothing we can really do if his agent forces a move. But I hope not to see him go. That song yeah, is too good too. to give up. <laughs> it's, it's it just when I watch back. Um that game when we used him against uh, Chelsea on Boxing Day when he first really got a start and Arteta decided to put him into the 10 role instead of Joe Willock, who he had on the bench and had been using at 10 in previous games earlier that season. And he just took that game by the scruff of the neck and then never let go until sadly injury got in the way and Gabriel Martinelli and then Trossard, of course, as well. And now Kai Havertz as well coming into the fold and Fabio Vieira too. You know, it's just, it's amazing how quickly a scenario can change. I think that should be a lesson to fans, you know, is that we can see how quickly things change in this business. So, yeah, fingers crossed uh, Smith Rowe does indeed find his way back into the lineup. Um, that was a really good question. I saved it. Uh, Gary says, uh, is it that question? Yes. Um, Doc, uh, Gary says, we have committed over 200 million this window, but only spent just over 110 million up front with nearly 75 million raised in sales. Is there more to spend, do you think, in the kitty? And are you happy with the window? I think there is more to spend, but we, like I talked about before, we all talked about it. They're, they're going to spend on guys they believe are going to raise the team's floor and the ceiling, right? So they're very, very specific with their criteria. And that criteria is not only on the pitch, it's off the pitch as well, right? And so that has to really, really fit in with the culture of the team. And so I think there's definitely more to spend. We know even with, um, with the ownership, if you look at all their clubs that they own, they spend a lot of money once they find the right formula. It doesn't matter. We, I think we've gone through this before, right? With the Rams, with the Avalanche, with all their teams, with the Nuggets, when they find the right manager and the right and the right players, they will spend. So there's plenty there. It's all about just being smart with your spend. And, and I think that's why you see teams like City, you see teams like Arsenal who are negotiating, right? Unlike 
Again, a Chelsea who just comes in and, and hit. Is this what you want? Yeah, we'll give it to you. 115 for Caicedo and a sell-on clause. All right, cool. And so, and you know what I mean? So it, this stuff adds up cumulatively. So I think there's definitely money there, but it has to be the right type of player, the right type of mentality player. So that to me has been the clear strategy and approach with Mikel and Edu. Uh, Nitish says sales have been poor as usual so much to do still and Pavel says sorry but the window has not been good enough so far and I kind of wanted to to kind of take the conversation into the sales aspect I know we've touched on it a fair amount but in more general terms and with Edu featuring heavily on the thumbnail of this video the big question around Edu going into this window not only regarding who we signed and making sure we got the players that we needed was that he had to improve the reputation of this club from a sales perspective. Because previous windows, you know, despite I think there being a lot of mitigating circumstances that he's inherited players that just simply haven't been very good without too many suitors that want to buy them, he's had to try and improve that still under the scenario that he finds himself in, especially considering there are players in the squad that have been bought under his tenure, like Lakonga Tavares, for instance, you know, that are now also looked to being sold. Now, we have sold following Balogun for uh, £34.4 million, including add-ons with a 17.5% sell-on clause. So it's, there's, you know, if he was to go for, say, you know, £60 million plus, you could potentially get that deal going upwards of £40 million in the end. Um, Granite Xhaka has been sold for £21.5 million. We got around £10 million for Matt Turner, uh, £5 million for Austin Trusty. We got another five-odd million quid from that Pablo Marie uh, mandatory buy clause this summer. We've had fees for Marquinhos and Tini's loans um, and also we're expecting to see Nuno Tavares leave for Nottingham Forest with a two million loan fee and a 12 million buy option in that as well. We're still waiting for Cedric, Holding, Pepe and Lakonga to be sorted. Aconqua, I think, is also still, as far as I'm aware, at least looking to try and find a way to some regular senior football. I'm going to go to each of you, and we've got around 10 minutes left. So consider that. Hint, hint, Mike. Uh, <laughs> um, in regards to the kind of the view of that and, and what I've kind of laid up there about Edu, has Edu succeeded or... If he hasn't, how much still needs to be done in your mind to to see him as a success regarding sales of, of Arsenal? So I, I think it's could be considered a success in the sense that he for the players he had buyers for, he had a set fee in mind, and he ended up achieving close to it, right? I, I think the the rumor was floating around 50 mil for for Balogun and whatever the math is with the, with the sell on clause and between the pounds and euros. Sorry about that. That's my kid. Um, it, we, we came close to the valuation and had we had suitors in England, we could have potentially extracted a little bit more from that deal. Unfortunately for, we, we just spoke about Cedric and he became a meme. We spoke about holding that nobody wants to see in the club. There's, there's a few players there that we haven't had an actual buyer for. So it's difficult for me to say, he wasn't able to sell because you can't just search a, a buyer and say, Hey, you have to buy in at this price. You're going to have to want teams to want them. Holdings being linked with two Spanish clubs and a mid table club right now. So it doesn't look like two Spanish clubs are going to pay 10, 15, 20 mil for him. So a lot of things is circumstantial. I think the players that we did have suitors for, they dragged on negotiating for a long time until they found a number they were comfortable with. 
So um, I could only judge him for players that we had suitors for, the manner in which they negotiated for. So in that circumstance, I'm happy with the Balogun deal. And regarding the loans, I, I think it's Tierney is a clever way of doing another Balogun. And hopefully he succeeds in Spain and we're able to sell for a fee. So not all loans are horrible, but I, I think it's the market dictates how the ins and outs go. And unfortunately, we didn't have a, a, a whole lot of buyers. Yeah. Uh, MK, what do you think about Edu and his improvement of the sales reputation, if if at all? I think it's been a very successful window. And I, I guess you have to kind of put things in context, right? Balogun could have been lost on a free. Instead, we're getting 38 somewhat what million, depending on what currency you're utilizing. And then mm. additionally, a 17.5% use like sell -on dong calls, or something know? and get like 50 million, 50 yeah. million dong for Balogun. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that number one is, that's a great bit of business right there. Um, you're, you're clearing players, you know, off the books that haven't really added any value to your playing time. We're getting more than we bought them for, especially if the Nottingham Forest move goes forward. Um, you know, I think that ultimately we've done a very decent amount of business. And I think that the club is in an excellent financial picture, financial health wise. I mean, if you ever look at Mike Feinberg when he does his financial analysis of the do club. I have like... to look at Mike Feinberg? Do I have to? <laughs> More of an audio so, type of face. An audio type of face. We all love Mike. Um, yes. But um, I would say, you know, like we're, we're making the improvements. We're getting to where we need to be. And at, as we get better and better, you know, our academy products are turning out to be very successful. We're going to sell even more down the line. I mean, I think we're really honestly ahead of where we need to be as a project. And that's a great thing. Uh, while you were talking, I was really curious how much Balogun's price actually would be in Vietnamese dong. So I've actually done the calculation, and it's according to this. Um, depending, on, is is it twelve zeros the the American billion? Is it twelve? Because I feel like it's nine here in the UK, and I feel like it's different in the US. But uh, if it is indeed twelve for the US, it would be one billion dong <laughs> for for. Uh, for Balogun, that's how much we would get. So uh, that's, there you that's go. a lot of far. That's a lot yeah, of far. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, I don't know anyone can you know debate you know getting one billion for for Balogun really. Uh, Raj, what do you think about our sales reputation? I mean, I, I think you feel like, like MK said in context. I think Trusty went for one hundred fifty percent of what we got him for. Right, got him for two, went for five, and then Turner went for twenty five percent over what we got him for for a player who played very limited. Right, and mm. so. Uh, I understand like holding. He's a guy, like I said, you know, Arsenal fans didn't really want. He might go. We'll see what the fee he goes for. And then with Tierney, he didn't play much last season. So I, I think that was a very reasonable deal to get him that exposure again. And he still has two years left on his contract, right? And so he might then he might go for a, a, a reasonable amount. And so I, I think the business has been there. I think part of the problem is Premier League prices and Saudi prices have really inflated people's idea of what players are worth. But when you look at other leagues, like the Bowden deal, actually a pretty good deal when you look at that, right? So unless you're selling the Premier League, which we could have sold to the Premier League possibly, but for Bowden, but they were giving a very, very inflated price, right? And so, and, and would you rather have, you know, make more money and give them to a rival or make less money and send them somewhere else with a bigger add on fee, right? So, I think that's that's smart business right there, and so I think contextually, you know, it all it all made sense. I think you'll certainly see some academy players, like MK said, sold as well. So, 
in general, based on where, where the club has come from, from terminations and, and, and that whole aspect, I think you're definitely seeing a gradual improvement in the team. You're seeing players who are being viewed more favorably, even if they're not playing that much, like, like, like let's say a Matt Turner. And so I think that bodes well for the club moving forward. And so I, I think I think part of it, people are going to see the Palmer, uh, Cole Palmer deal and say, hey, how come, again, Premier League also – from FFP perspective, if you have, if you think it's a real thing or not, um, that's like a it's a pure profit on the balance sheets for City. So that's a reason why they might have done that. It really helps you balance. You sell an academy graduate is considered just pure profit, and so that really helps you balance ba- with your balance sheet. So that might be one of the underlying reasons why they made that deal. Whereas with Balogun, because our balance sheets are already pretty good, that was not a consideration. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. For me, I'm lying in this grey area of success and failure. For me, that's where I feel. Um, I absolutely respect everyone's opinions on it. Some people say it's been a total failure. Some people, MK, saying that they think it's been very successful. I'm like really in the middle on this because, and I think it do, is still predicated on what happens between now and, and deadline day because. For me, the defence is weaker, uh, which sucks. Um, and that's not Arsenal's fault because they really did as much as they could to strengthen it by bringing in Timber and then losing him. Yeah, he's such a damaging, um, frustrating thing for us. Um, but I think that, you know, the business we've done elsewhere is really good. I do think that we've improved sales-wise. I don't get the argument that people saying that the Balogun deal is a bad one and, you know, we should have got more money. I ask people how, like, what's your expectation? How is Edu supposed to get more money for somebody when the market for Balogun is at the price that they pay? We didn't have a Chelsea or Man United going after him. And if there were links, nothing ever materialized into something like a formal offer or anything like that, like it has done in within days of the Smith Rowe link, supposedly we rejected an offer or rather an approach uh, for talks from Chelsea. So, I don't get that, um, but I do think that we've done really well to sell him. I think getting 21 million quid, more than half than what we paid for Xhaka seven years ago, is a great bit of business by Edu, especially when there are rumours of 13 million pounds, you know, weeks prior. As as Raj pointed out, you know, profit for Turner, um, profit for Trusty, uh, decent fee in the end for Fab- uh, Pablo Maria, a player that was never going to, you know, get into this side, five million quid, good for the books. Um, and I'm hopeful that, you know, that we get more uh, money through the door for players like Holding, hoping we can get, you know, five million quid for him or something like that. You know, I would take it at that point. I just don't know um, how or where the expectation that he's supposed to have done better comes from and what people's solutions are. I hear a lot of kind of finger pointing, a lot of, you know, saying Edu's not good and done good enough, but I never hear any kind of suggestions as to what he's supposed to have done differently to have done what people expect him to do. And, you know, until those solutions are, are brought to me, I, I find myself inclined to sit here on this side of the fence. Um, I feel like anyone was going to jump in then. I was just waiting to see if... We need to marry the... We need to try to figure out how to fuse the fans that say, I never want to see him in red and white again in my life because he's horrible. And why can't we get 20 million for him? Hmm. There's a there's what a, happened. There, there's a jump there, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, Arsenal fan base is full of contradictions. The Vieira Havertz thing, right? So, I mean, like we see all these like lessons not being learned. Everyone deletes their memory overnight somehow, and so, and then um, just just what it is. I guess you know when you're passionate about things. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I'll be um, that brings us to the end of today's show. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for listening and tuning in. We really appreciate your time, as always. Uh, so, a little update. Of course, you can join our Strava group. That's strava.com forward slash forward clubs, sorry, forward slash ESARP if you want to join that. Update I was away at the weekend, anniversary weekend. So, the diet took an absolute battering, yet still recorded the lowest weight on a Monday that I've got so far at 95.9 kilos. So, I was buzzing with that. You know, I was it was like fish and chips and pizzas and still lost weight i don't know how i do it it's magic it's magic but uh it's still a lot of hard work getting back to it now i'm really grinding through that and uh getting out on the golf course as much as i can as well to get those steps up but uh yeah that's your update very brief one but um being away for the weekend it was always going to be a brief one uh mike thank you so much once again fantastic performance as always tell people where they can find you Thank you so much. Uh, you can find me occasionally on the Gunners podcast with uh, Magic Mike, Andy, Owen, Asin, and Jared. And weekly podcast, not another Arsenal podcast, every Tuesday night. That's crazy o'clock in the morning in the UK. Uh, preview show tomorrow, 11 a.m. That is 7 p.m. for the UK tomorrow live. Yeah, can't wait. Uh, appreciate it. Not another Arsenal podcast. And Tom, thank you so much for having me on, dude. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely, mate. Good to speak to you once again. Uh, MK, fantastic debut. Uh, you done Sophie you. brilliantly proud, and uh, she certainly <laughs> pointed us in the right direction to uh, to get you on. Thank you. Tell people where they can find you. Thank you. Um, you can find me at MK Liebman is my personal. Um, for only Arsenal, I admin Arsenal underscore LA on Twitter. If you ever find yourself in the Los Angeles area, I would welcome you with open arms to the Fox and Hound Pub in Studio City. And I hope uh, any number of you can come join us for a match sometime soon. Fantastic stuff. Make sure you get down there if you are indeed in the LA or California area. Get down to... I, I lose track of how big the US is. So I say Cali. I think Cali's like the size of the UK or something like that. So it might be trickier. But uh, yeah, get down there. It's certainly worth it. And lastly, uh, Raj, thank you so much for jumping on. Really appreciate it. Tell people can find you, my friend. Yeah, you can find me at 3CP Performance on all social media. I also recommend going. I've been to Fox and Hound a few times, but then I realized I'm not meant to watch games around people, so therefore I don't come anymore. And so, um, but yeah, it's 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 great. It's it's a great pub, and so highly highly recommend it. There you go. Yeah, I I completely respect people that like to watch games in solitude because you know it is you do crazy things when watching Arsenal. When I was in the um, the Globe uh, in Chicago earlier this year and uh, I smashed like three glasses when we equalised so the barman was fuming so I nearly wasn't invited back the next day for the live podcast but uh, thankfully uh, they forgave me and we uh, we continued through uh, thank you everybody that's joined us live uh, do drop a like on the video subscribe to the channel uh, if you are indeed new um, and uh, yeah we'll see you hopefully next Thursday back to the usual day of Thursday for the shows and uh, yeah we'll keep you tuned in but thank you again to, to mike mk and the doc we will see you next week i'll see you tomorrow morning at 8 a.m and as always up the arsenal it's the 90 plus minute all your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.